What is up, everybody? Tyler Hashman here, back with the Young Guns podcast. I'm very excited, as always, on every episode, I'm very excited. But today, I got a very, very special guest, and that guest is Miguel Catelier. Now, he is a top 40, under 40 entrepreneur. He's wildly successful at a young age, and his story is absolutely amazing. And he's the owner and founder of True Green Energy and True Green Metal Recycling. And also, he is a family man. He's got three young boys who I imagine one day, I imagine one of them will be taking over his companies. And um, he is, you know, an absolute force in the entrepreneurship community here in Saskatchewan. So, Miguel, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me, man. It's fun I'm to glad chat. You- it's fun to catch up. Absolutely. And I'm glad you found the time. Like you've got two very big companies and you've got three sons. Like how do you, how do you find the time? How do you find the balance in that? Yeah. Good question. I mean, uh, I think when you, when you're growing companies, um, you're able to have build teams, right? So um, you look at a, a guy who's got a company that does billions of dollars, obviously I'm not in that, in that range, but if you look at a guy that, that has a company that does billions of dollars with thousands of employees, he still has time to hang out with his kids. Probably he still works a normal day because you've got, you know, you've got teams and people that are in place to, uh, to move the needle. So, um, yeah, man, there's seasons of life. There was times when I was working 15 hours a day, seven days a week. And now, uh, you know, I'm in a different season and especially actually with COVID and everything going on it kind of kind of slowed things down even more. So sort of a forced break. Absolutely. So I, I love what you said that, you know, you're working 15 hour days nonstop so that now at least you ha- now you're at that point where you're able to have that more, more time in your life. So that's awesome to hear that. So let's go back to the beginning. Let's go even before those 15 hour days. Like what was your journey like of like right when you're getting out of high school, like did you go to university? Did you start into business? Like take us from there and then how, um, how did you get to where you are now with your companies? Sure. So I, uh, I grew up in a small town and, uh, you know, wasn't, wasn't a whole lot of big thinking. And I got lucky because, uh, my first job, I worked for a guy <clears throat> by the name of Pat Dwayne. We actually worked together to this day. We actually kind of rejoined later on in life. Um, and, uh, he ran a, a pro shop. He sold golf clubs, sold hockey stuff. Uh, sharpened skates. That was my first job at 15. And uh, when I was graduating, we gave, became friends. And when I was graduating, he gave me the book, The Magic of Thinking Big uh, by David Schwartz. And uh, I read that book. It was probably the first book I read actually cover to cover because in school, I just kind of skated by, you know, breezing through the books and doing the bare minimum. I did good. Like I, I you know, I, I got good grades, but I just didn't apply myself. <clears throat> and I read this book and it blew my mind because the premise is that, uh, everybody's born bare naked and screaming. Right. And after that, it's the decisions that you make and the choices that you make that will determine where you end up in life. And, you know, whether you think big and accomplish big things or whether you think small and accomplish small things, it's going to take the same amount of energy. If you're still going to wake up every day, you're going to go to work, you're going to work hard no matter what. So you might as well think big. And that was a game changer for me. And, uh, <clears throat> I ended up joining a network marketing organization as uh, most people do at some point in their life somebody gives them the pitch and they're like no shit it's an internet business I could be rich tomorrow let's do it so I signed up at 17 and uh it was awesome it was the best training ground ever the the uh the business model wasn't phenomenal that's why you know kind of dropped out of there 
but the training that I got, um, you know, when you're building a network marketing company and I actually did decently well for a little bit of time there, we had, I don't know, 75 people or something in our organization at one point. And, um, you know, the, the interesting thing about network marketing is it's a volunteer army, right? You're not paying anybody by the hour. Nobody's has to be there. And so it's a really interesting style of leadership in a business where you actually have to get good at, you know, finding out what, what people want out of life and, and you have to get good at selling them the dream and the ability to potentially reach that by joining your team and working with you. So it was an awesome, I learned about sales. I learned about a ton of rejection. I mean, everybody's, you know, known somebody or have been in network marketing where you're chasing down everybody that, you know, trying to sign them up into your deal. And uh, so it was a awesome training ground because you get your teeth kicked in nonstop. People just don't want to talk to you anymore. Right. And uh, so you learn how to handle rejection. You learn how to sell. Those are two of the most important components to being an entrepreneur. Um, yeah. So that's where that started. And from there, um, I got interested in real estate. So some of the books, one of the first books I read when I joined that business was called Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. And he described, you know, the sort of transition from employee to self-employed to a business owner to an investor and uh, kind of got on that Kiyosaki train, like a lot of the people on here probably have. And uh, rich dad, poor dad, and all that kind of stuff. And realized I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm like early 20s here. Network marketing is interesting. At that time, I was working a 100% commission job during the day. I was doing network marketing in the evening. And I'm like, here's the ticket. I'm going to take the money that I'm making. I'm going to invest in real estate. I'll be a multimillionaire by 25. And then I'll just retire. That was my game plan. So at whatever it was, 2019, I think I bought my first house uh, and then I rented out the bedrooms to my buddies. And then at 20, I bought a house by the University of Manitoba, second place. I rented out the first one. And at 21, I, I was renting out all the bedrooms. So I had one, two, three, four, five. One bedroom wasn't illegal. At one point, wasn't even legal. There wasn't even a window. And at one point, I had all of them rented out. And so I was cash flowing in this house, right? I was, it was awesome. I'm living with my buddies. We're right in town, right by the university, right by all the bars. We had a hot tub in the gazebo. It was like the best time ever. So I'm like, all I have to do is do this like five, six, seven, eight, ten more times, and I'll just live off the cash flow, and uh, and I'm set, right? And so you know, here I am in my early twenties with hardly any money, and I'm thinking I'm going to go straight into buy and holds. So you know, you're a real estate guy. You know that that's not uh, not the best play. You still there, Tyler? Yes, absolutely. And that is, that play is like a, a long-term wealth. You know, it's not something where that's going to create money right now where you can start, you know, living, you know, to your full potential. Let's put it that way. Absolutely. Yeah, you bet, man. No, I just thought I lost it. We got, we got uh, get internet these days. Everybody's watching Netflix all day. So it messes up with the internet. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, long story short, here I am. I ended up uh, maxing out. I had did I have two places. I went back to the bank to get another mortgage and they're like, yeah, you're not getting a mortgage. There's no way. Like you're 21 years old. You already have two mortgages. You're, you you hundred percent commission work. Uh, there's no chance. So I'm like, okay, well, how the hell am I going to do this? So then I went and I thought, well, they like giving riggers money because riggers have a good salary. And I'm like, you know, everybody here is at that time. Anyway, everybody knew that if you want to make money, just go out West and work in the rigs. So I uh, started figuring out what I needed to do there, applied, drove out West, um, got hired on, ended up actually getting a, on a rig in Manitoba, which was awesome and worked on an oil rig, ended up buying uh, four more doors. I built my way up to about 
I think I had seven doors at 23 or 24. Um, one of those was wow. a triplex and then some homes. And uh, yeah, you're saying, wow, you probably had 150 doors by that age. Or so. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so nothing, I wasn't, I was no Tyler Hassman, but I was, I was doing what I could. So anyway, here I am working on the rigs, um, you know, seven doors ever. And I realized that, you know, the little bit of cash flow that you make on every door, well, all of a sudden now you got to do a roof. And all of a sudden this guy didn't pay his bills and he, and he left. Now you got to pay that. And uh, my, my whole dream of having like 12 units and living off the cash flow was like, okay, this is probably not where it's going to be. Um, but at that time, I sort of um, developed my skills and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go off on my own, flip a, flip a house, doing that kind of thing. But I had already sort of developed a reputation as a hustler. I was good at sales. Um, and uh, I had some opportunities coming my way. I ended up working a little bit with a group of guys that were doing uh, some information checks called uh, Enriched Academy. It was around teaching financial education and investing to young people. That was actually a sweet thing. They were on Dragon's Den and stuff, and I ended up being their VP of sales. But it just wasn't – it wasn't really going anywhere. And then I kind of bounced around. I ended up working with a guy that, uh, that ran a metal recycling company and realized that in Western Canada, in Saskatchewan, there's so much farm scrap out there that's just sitting there that was doing nothing. And I thought, like, you know, I got to – make a business that specializes in uh, doing farm scrap cleanup. So I ended up starting a company on my own. Um, we built that company up. We did our first eight figures in sales in about, what did it take us, like 36 months or something like that. Wow. And, uh, and uh, yeah, and since then we've, we've uh, grown that across. We service all of Saskatchewan and now into Alberta as well. And we've recycled about 350 million pounds of steel products since we've started um and uh lots of room to grow there's really some exciting stuff happening in that company right now that's a lot of fun but at some point there um i had it running pretty well and i um i had read elon musk's book and i thought to myself like what other companies would fit under our brand under our umbrella and uh there was in elon musk's biography there's one section where he said something to the effect of if the energy that's hitting the roof of your house is enough to power your life, how is that not where the world is going to go? If it's literally, you know, why would we dig up fossil fuels, you know, thousands of miles away, deliver those thousands of miles to some place where you're going to burn it, then you're going to create power, run it down thousands of kilometers of power lines where you're losing power the whole way and then get it to your house. It's just so inefficient when, literally the solar energy that's hitting your house is enough to power it. And not only that, the freaking fossil fuels or coal or whatever it is that you're burning to begin with are actually stored up solar energy. So it's right. solar energy from millions of years ago that's stored up in biological matter. that got freaking buried in the ground and now we're, <laughs> we're pulling it out. You know, we're digging up million, millions of year old solar energy and burning it. And like, it just, it's craziness. Why the hell? Yeah. It, it, it's the way the world is going, right? It's, it's inevitable. And so, True Green Energy was kind of born out of that. We started um, started here in Saskatchewan. We we grew really quickly. We built a brand that was kind of recognized. We sponsored the riders, and you know we had billboards all over town and that kind of stuff. And then uh, come to find out that SAS Power didn't like losing customers to uh, self generation. Go figure, right? So yeah, that's a, were... that's a whole nother conversation <laughs> on that end. Hey, that, that is, is yeah. yeah, that's something yeah, else. I'm gonna, I'm going to keep it real short, but in a nutshell, um, 
they were able to talk the government into uh, changing the program enough that it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense for most regular people to switch anymore and really devastated the business in Saskatchewan. Uh, we're still doing some installs. We've still got a little bit going on, but it, you know, we were, we were like flying, right. We were on in, on pace to do eight figures just in Saskatchewan um, in, in 2019 uh, before that all changed. So anyway, in a nutshell, we, uh, we were like, okay, well look, solar's not going anywhere. SAS powers bought themselves some time. They're doubling down on a, you know, 75 year old business model. And we're like, all right, well, it's just a matter <laughs> of time before it's going to make sense again here. And let's look to other markets. So I actually uh, was in Florida and talking with a buddy of mine from down there. We started looking at the market in Florida and decided, well, you know what, let's start a solar company down here. We already know how to do it. We already created systems. All we have to do is duplicate essentially what we were doing. So we, we did, um, we started a company down in Florida, figured out what we needed to do there, jumped the border, got our visas, all that kind of stuff, got the building, invested in the place, started doing the marketing, building the brand, built the team and COVID boom. So, um, geez, was that uh, kick in the nuts, right? Like, yeah. you know, get blown up in Saskatchewan essentially to where it's like, you know, 90% of the business is gone. And then pivot, get into another market, and then now we can't even get down there. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, talk about talk about adversity. It's been an interesting ride. I'm I'm very grateful that we have uh, True Green Metal that's been you know running this whole time, and that that is sort of that home base, solid business that uh, that hasn't got blown up. But uh, anyway, in a nutshell, here we are. Um, yeah. I love it, dude. And one thing is, too, is like, so before before we hit record, Miguel and I were talking. I mean, we both were literally kicked straight in the nuts because I, I almost at the same time, I feel like that, um, you know, I got my ho the hotel Cube City down in Costa Rica. I feel like that was almost the same time. You know, you were starting up down there, starting the True oh, Green down in the States. And then, of yeah. course, both of us completely like 110 percent affected you know, by this virus. Same thing. I can't even yeah. set foot in Costa Rica right now. Borders are closed. But at the same time, I feel like, well, from my standpoint is once I was like so devastated, right? Back here in Canada, I'm thinking, okay, what, are, what is the outcome of this? How can we overcome this? And what's great about this? Like, why is this happening? Not, oh, why is this happening to us? It's like, why is this happening? How can we come out stronger? And mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's one of those things as entrepreneurs, both me and you, and especially you, you have been a lot, been through a lot more and gone a lot farther than I have. You're, you just, this is just a little road bump to you. Like, this is not like, man, true green energy is completely done. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. This is, this is just a little road bump in the, uh, in the whole course of it. Is it not? I don't know, man. It's, it's more than a road bump for sure. It's a, uh, it's a huge, it's a huge blow. There's no doubt about it. much like, much like what you said. And I think, you know, for us, like we're, we're still in, we don't even know what the, what the result is going to be. We still can't fire up down there. And when we, when we can, and when everything kind of reopens, the economy is in shambles. Right. And so it's not a great time to launch a company. So now we're just you know, looking at timing and figuring out what that's going to look like. But um, I like what you said, you got to think about what's great about it. Right. Like at the end of the day, being an entrepreneur, you got to be kind of a special kind of person. I don't want to call myself special, but you have to be able to deal with this kind of shit because most people, mm -hmm. you know, dude, we lost like, you know, anyway, it is what it is. People, people yes. put money up. Right. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. Like 
being an entrepreneur, I've had years where it's like, I can't believe how much money we made. And then other years where it's like, wow, we just got smoked and, uh, and lost money. And, and so it's, it's devastating and you feel it. Right. I mean, there was a, there was a point in time where I felt like I was grieving like a, a child almost like it was like, Holy smokes. Like how much more can we possibly take in this business? And, uh, but at the same time, you have to look at it like it's a game. Like you have to right. look at it as a game. Uh, the money's the scoreboard. It is what it is. Sometimes you get dealt a hand and what are you going to do? Do you see a poker player, like get up from the table and fucking get all emotional and throw his cards on and say, it isn't fair. Like you signed up for it, right. As an entrepreneur, you signed up to take that risk and, uh, and you have to take it. If it comes, it's not just when it's good being an entrepreneur, you don't just get the good man. You get the bad too. So, um, you have to be able to, you have to be able to handle that. And that's why I say it takes a special person because you have to be pretty mentally, um, solid to be able to pivot in your own mind and not, um, not go down some, some dark places. Not that entrepreneurs don't deal with that. We all do, man. I mean, you know, it's been a, it's been a shitty time for, for myself personally, but you have to be able to reframe, reprogram your mind, feel bad for yourself for a minute and then say, okay, what's next. Um, and for me, the way that I've looked at this whole situation, uh, because it's devastating to that business, frankly. Um, first of all, I, I count my blessings. I'm grateful. We've got Sugar Metal. We're still doing great. I'm grateful for my kids, for my wife, for my family, for the life that we've got. And I look at this moment as a pivotal moment that everybody's going to remember in their life. We're always going to remember the time when the world shut down for however long. And it just smoked people. And millions of people are out of jobs, millions of businesses shutting down. And the way that I think about this is that I want to look back at this time and be proud of the way that I handled it. And the fact that I came out better than when I went in and I want to look back and go, that was that time when, yeah, we thought we got smoked and it was really devastating, but actually this and this came out of it and we ended up being better. And so wow. that's the way that I'm trying to look at it because I want to look back at this time in my life and not be disappointed with myself with the way that I handled it. Um, yeah, that's how I, that's how I've been framing it. That is very, very powerful, Miguel. Very, very much. And it's, it's the same mentality that I have been uh, adopting as much as possible. Like as soon as all this started happening, um, at first I was like looking at the numbers. I'm like, no way, like this is going to blow over. Right. And still looking at the numbers, I think it's way crazier blown out. Totally. than what it what it actually is whole other conversation on that too yeah. but like it gets to the point too and when i got back here in canada i was in that uh i was i was very scared at some points so i'm like man like we just started our business right same position as you we just went all in down here and we're hit mm -hmm. out of nowhere literally a month before we had to leave costa rica because of the last flight coming back to canada we were like like flowing there was no yeah. word of anything that's going to be shutting down anything it was like, no, everything's a go. Everything's a go. Within like a week and a half, it went from like, yep, we're doing it. And we're staying down here to on the plane, last plane back to Canada. They're shutting borders. Planes are going out of business. Like, it's crazy. And the, the big thing for me too is um, reading. Reading has been huge for me. I just actually invested into a program called Lead the Field by Earl Nightingale. And it's all about personal development and growing the mindset and working on the, the, the mind. Because right now, I agree, it's such a hard time right now. It's such a devastating time for so many businesses. And at first, I'll admit, when, I, when we first got back, I was like feeling, it hit me. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't like how I am right now. I'm like, hey, I'm going to cut, just like you said, I'm going to come out, I'm going to look back and be like, hey, we came out of here on top. Hell no. I was like, oh my God, yeah. the money that's being lost, 
the ego also getting thrown out the window because I'm like, no, we can still do this, but it really logistically will it work? No. And it was kind of accepting it. I, w- I didn't want to accept it. I kept on saying, sure. oh, it's all going to be better in a couple of weeks. We'll be back down. But I'm looking it's at the, the facts of, of this. Grief. It's yes. The stages of grief. If you look at, I looked at myself and my business partners and we went through exactly what you're saying right now. It's, and if you look at it, it's actually the exact same stages of grief when you, when you have a loss in your life, because that's what it was for you, for me. Mm-hmm. It was a loss in our life. And so you start out with denial and then, then I think it goes to anger and then it's like sadness and acceptance or whatever it is. It's just like, whatever those stages are. But we, you know, I talked about that with my team because I'm like, guys, like I could see it in, in my team and the people that were invested in my partners. And I said, like, look, this is exactly what's going on right now. Because, um, and, uh, and you have to deal with it. Right. Um, and you know what, like, Framing things in the context of if you and I were alive, what, 80 years ago, where would we be now, right? Um, however long World War II or World War I, whatever, that whole period of time, World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, life was way harder, way freaking harder. Some of my kids probably would have died during childbirth Mm -hmm. or whatever because i had two kids early in icu we would have gone through the great depression to the point that you're sending your kids down the road to go beg for food at the neighbor's house because there wasn't any programs like this then we would have been signed up to go to war overseas where we're going to not see our family for a couple of years and probably die overseas or, or at least be you know probably greatly affected by that kind of stuff so you look at this and you go okay here's what we're dealing with right now but let's reframe this Let's reframe it in the context of what people have gone through since the beginning of time. And is this really bad? How bad is it really? You know, and, uh, and sometimes you have to do that. You have to be able to frame that in perspective. It's the exact opposite of sort of the popular thing to do these days, which is to be a victim and be like, oh, look how bad it is for me. And you know, just yep. have a good excuse to like roll a big joint and go sit down and, and fucking give up on life. And so many people are on that path and it's so sad and pathetic that it's cool to do that. You like, what's really cool is man up. I'm going to like, I I don't like swearing on, on podcasts and stuff, but man, the fuck up, figure out that life has never been easier. It's never been better. Even in the, in, in, in a situation like this, life is way better than it's ever been. Sometimes people need a reality check, but the, the power and the, the reason that you're successful, the reason that I'm successful and, and that other people that, that are able to weather these things are successful is because they're able to take control of their mind and not right. go down those rabbit holes and be a victim and throw in the towel. And ultimately, that's why people will follow you as well. And that's so why you're true. able to build a team in a business. Yeah. So true. And everything that you're saying right now is is essential because I, it's, it's hilarious. I made a video this morning, Miguel. And what I talked about is I talked about uh, in Think and Grow Rich, the book by Napoleon Hill, the chapter book decision. So a lot of mm-hmm. people, there's two types of people. There's people that, you know, they procrastinate, they, they, they never achieve wealth. They never achieve success or anything they want in life because they, they suffer from procrastination, right? They always right. procrastinate. Then there's other people that are successful and what, the, the, what they are, they're decision makers. They simply make a decision. So just like you're saying, especially right now, there's a lot of people that are laid off or you know, they, you know, they're just hanging out at home they're, or they're, maybe their businesses crash and burn and they're sitting at home scrolling on Facebook. 
right? They're taking in all this negativity. They're like eating bad. They're not working out. They're like, hey, I give up right now. Like, oh, I'm just, I don't know. You know, they're playing a victim, like you said. And what's going to yeah. come out of that is nothing. It's, it's awful. Where you, t- you turn it around, you say, hey, I'm going to make the decision to not let this overtake my life, right? I'm going to look at the bigger picture of it, right? I'm going to grow stronger. I'm going to grow out of this. And just like you said, entrepreneurship is a game. You're not always winning, right? You got to be willing to take the hits. And it's and the, in, in the movie Rocky, um, uh, it's not about, um, oh, wow, I just had this thing and I forgot. It's not, about, it's, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and still keep going or get off thank you. that and keep going something along those lines. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's exactly it. And, um, and for anybody listening to this right now, if you want to uh, like, you know, change and get on that mindset, go pick up Thinking Girl Rich right now by Napoleon Hill. Highly recommend that. And then if you even want to get even stronger, reach out to me. I a couple of programs that I recently joined, like absolutely essential right now. I can give you some of those. But anyways, Miguel, I want to get into um, the books. Holy crap. The books have changed your life. You're talking about reading that first book that that uh, mentor gave you. And then you read another one the, uh, by Robert Kiyosaki and then another one by Robert Kiyosaki. And then Elon Musk. And those books have been changing your life. And I'm, I'm the oh, same way. Yeah. I, just made a, I just made an Instagram post today about some books that have changed mine. And um, I also, did you know, fun fact. Elon Musk, did you know that his mom was born in Regina? Get out of town. Google it. So if you, if you, go, if you Google and go Elon Musk and then go to his Wikipedia and go to his mom. I know. I, his I, I, knew, I knew that he had family here. He, he yes. actually, when he moved to North America, he had no money. And he got yep. to Canada and he came to Saskatchewan and he worked for one of his cousins mm-hmm. uh, shoveling out grain bins somewhere yep. in Saskatchewan here. Yes. Yep. So his mom, uh, it's on Wikipedia, everything. You go to her Wikipedia and uh, she lived here until she was only like two. But it says right in their birthplace, Regina, Saskatchewan. That's, it's yeah. insane, the roots of that. Um, but anyways, um, what, are you reading any books right now? And if you are, what books are you reading? So I'm, I'm reading a classic right now, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. Oh, w. get out. I just finished it's, that last week. I literally just finished so that. Good. Yeah, it's one of those that I feel like gets overlooked. Like, I mean, dude, you know, talking about books, like I've, I've, and and this is not a a bragging thing. I just want to like, you know, for, if there's somebody listening that, that is like, what does it take? Right. Like to go from being in a small town, you know, small town thinking to, to being a successful entrepreneur, it takes totally reprogramming your mind. And I, I would be shocked if I have not gone through, you know, about 500 probably at this point, uh, books, audiobooks, seminars, like nonstop. I, I, ha- I have not, I, dude, I was so committed and to brainwashing myself and becoming successful that I, I would go to bed at one point. I was, this is early twenties. I would, I was so committed to getting this information in my head. Cause I realized that somebody knows how to do this yeah. and I need to get it from their head to my head. Because again, everybody's born bare naked and screaming. So how do I become like them? Right. And I, and I would go to sleep with ear pods with my freaking ear earphones in listening to a book that I could hardly hear, but I figured it would probably be getting in there somehow while I'm sleeping. And that's the level of freak show that I was. And it's like, I'm not saying that it's literally not a bragging thing. It's almost embarrassing, but that's how, that's how committed I was and still am. Like I would say that 
maybe 5% of the time that I'm in my vehicle, I'm listening to music. Maybe 5%. If somebody's in the vehicle with me, which is almost never the case, I'll probably put music on. Otherwise, I've got a 45-minute commute to and from work, and I'm listening to books. I'm listening to sermons. I'm listening to, to podcasts. I'm listening to talks that make me better because that windshield time, dude, I've got a PhD from the amount of books that I've, that I've listened to. It's not on paper. Yep. It's not on the wall but they call me sir when you go to the bank that's actually that sounds super cocky but you know what <laughs> like you know i i heard somebody else say that once it's like hey look i don't have a phd but they, they don't ask me for my phd when i when i show up to the bank right yeah and uh and and you know i don't like coming across that cocky but the bottom line is that you can you don't have to have a piece of paper on the wall you can have a self-generated self-directed masters in whatever it is that you want and I have been on a nonstop path of like, Hey, right now I feel like I'm lacking in my leadership ability because ultimately your business is going to be limited by yourself. Right. And so I'm in a, in a season of doubling down on leadership development. I've, I've joined groups that cost me thousands of dollars a month. I've got executive coach. Like I invest in myself because ultimately you will never out earn your level of personal development. It doesn't have anything to do with having a PhD, master's degree, nothing. It's all about your level of development. Are you able to take control of your own mind, lead yourself to become a performer, and then get to the next level where you can actually learn leadership and management and get results through teams of people? That's the ticket. And um, none of that would be possible without hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of audiobooks and sitting down and reading and going to seminars and investing in myself. So, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already a person that believes in that. And I would strongly encourage you to just double down on yourself right now. If you feel bad for yourself, don't beat yourself up. You know, if you, if you were that guy that was like, Oh man, everything's so bad for me, blah, blah, blah. Don't beat yourself up. That's fine. I've been there too, but stop right now and start investing in yourself. And one of the most powerful things that I've gotten out of several books, but this is such a powerful exercise. I oftentimes, especially when things aren't going well, or when I feel like I'm not performing my best or, or reacting my best, I think about myself 40, 50 years from now. I think about, I think about that, you know, that face app that came out that made you look old. Yeah. Everybody doing it for a couple of weeks. So I have this picture. It's freaking awesome. It's so realistic. Um, and I actually put it on my vision board and I wrote, who is this guy? Who is that old guy that's eight years old now? What did he accomplish in life? Who do I want him to be? What did he do for others? What kind of husband is he? What kind of business owner is he? What kind of philanthropist? What kind of an impact did that guy make? And I like to think in his head sometimes. And I look back at myself now and go, if that guy is going to be that successful, like I put on that board, what is he doing right now? What decisions is that guy making now? How would he behave right now? Would he be rolling a joint and just like throwing in the towel and, and just coasting? Or is that the guy that, you know, what would he be doing? And uh, that's how you reverse engineer your life. You imagine where you want to be and who you want to be. And start making decisions like that person, because ultimately, if that person that you want to be, if you don't start making decisions like that person, you'll never become that person. 
so true. And everything you're saying right now is the reason why you've, in my mind, why you've hit a lot of success. Obviously, like countless hours of work, persistence, like risk, like unreal amounts. But I feel like the starting point has been your personal development, right? Your, the strengths of investing into yourself and growing yourself strong. Absolutely. And the thing is, too, is like we both know the starting point. Anybody listening to this, the starting point, think and grow rich. This book will literally change your life. Even the seven habits of highly effective people. These books are like 20 bucks. I'm pretty sure you can get the audio version for $12. And it, they should be worth way more than that. It's insane. And once you yeah. start getting into that, then invest in yourself. Like Miguel, like Miguel with, your, with your executive coach and the programs and seminars he's gone to, that's a lot of money, you guys. Even myself, I just dropped thousands of dollars to join another program to level myself up. But guess what? That is the best investment you'll ever make. And do you know the thing that I love? about investing in myself and getting mentors, getting coaches, going to events and being in courses. I, I love it because I determine the return on investment. I determine it, right? There's times where you invest in real estate, you invest in a project, the market, right? There might be the hell, a coronavirus, the freaking virus de uh, determined it, right? But when you invest in yourself, you're the one getting the ROI out of it. Like you determine, are you going to let this show up in your life? You're going to take advantage of that. So I really, really like what I'm, uh, what you're talking about there is very, very, very powerful. And um, uh, you're talking about the four, uh, when you're driving. That's huge. Little things like that. How many times do you hear people that say they don't have time? I don't have time to read books. I don't have time to listen to podcasts. Yet they're in their vehicles driving for how long? Even when they're working out, they're going for runs. Everybody has time. And uh, that is absolutely, that's very, very powerful. And still, and the big thing is too, you still continue to this day to be investing in yourself, right? Like are you ever going to stop personal development? Or are you always going to be growing? Absolutely not. I mean, uh, more so now than ever, I'm, I'm more motivated now to seek out the right information, the right mentors. I'm, I'm in a group of guys that are way more successful than I am. And, you know, a lot more miles on the water than I do. And I'm just like, so grateful. And I realize how far I've got to go, you know, like, it's interesting before I joined this group, it's a CEO group. Um, and, and some of these guys have nine figure businesses. And uh, before I joined this group, I, I thought I was pretty good at leadership and running a business. I didn't even know what it was. I didn't even know what it meant. And, you know, we could sit here and we could talk about like details and mechanics of running a business and starting a business and getting financing or whatever. Like there's so many things we could talk about and that could be helpful to somebody. What's helpful to absolutely everyone listening, guaranteed, no matter who they are, is this piece about mindset. And, and what I've found is that I've seen so many people that have unbelievable potential that are too proud or too cool to invest in themselves or they don't take the time to, to do that while they're driving, while they're working out, while they're cooking, whatever, while they're showering. I listen to stuff in the shower. How many minutes are you in the shower every day? If you listen to 30 minutes or 15 minutes a day of an audiobook, you're, you're, you're through an audiobook in a month or two, whatever, right? Well, that's six to 12 books a year. Um, so look, I mean, it's, it's, it's the slight edge. It's that competitive advantage. And, uh, and frankly, like, you know, you become that because what you put in is what you become. You become the association that, that you're around, right? You become the average of the people that you're around. And when you're just nonstop putting this stuff into your mind, well, that's what comes out. And ultimately that's what you become. So 
that's a secret. I mean, that's the, that's the, that's the key. What's the trick? What's the secret? It's like, it, that's what it is. It's that combined with hard work and action because the other side of it, you'd cut me off anytime. I know I go on tangents here, but no, you know, you know, the other side of this deal is that there's a lot of people who actually do countless hours of books and all that kind of stuff, but they never get anywhere. Right. And the other, other side is that at some point, you know, I, the reason that I can do that amount is because I take massive action too. Like you, the, the reason that you're successful is you have to take massive action. It doesn't, you know, you don't become Tyler Hassman if you didn't actually get out of your comfort zone, get coaching, buy all those units, get down to Costa Rica, do all these talks, then you're not who you are. It comes down to action at the end of the day. Um, but the primary building block is your mindset, your personal development, and then a total absolute non-negotiable is massive amounts of action. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. The amount of times, Miguel, I have been to like, you know, or let's put it this way. I've been to a lot of, pro I've been to a lot of programs, right? A lot of seminars and you see people that are in the exact same, they learn and get given the exact same tools that you get given. Right. But then how come only like 2% of the people actually hit big results? You know, I know people that were in the same courses as me that haven't even gotten started in real estate. And they're looking at me like, hey, you, like I'm in three different countries, hotel, apartment buildings, Airbnbs, and then they're sitting there with nothing. And they're like, I need another course. No, 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 no. They don't need another course. They need action, right? Bob Proctor, another one of my mentors, he is huge on mindset. And he always talks about, you know, you can think your way to results. And then he'll pause for a little bit and say, but you need to put in the fucking action. Right. You, you know, it's all about the mindset. The mindset is exactly like you're saying. It's absolutely first, but like knowledge without action is absolutely useless. And this is one yeah. thing that's, that's very interesting too. You know, I see a lot of people, you know, that are, that are at school and, you know, taking these business classes and they get out of school and they want to start up their business, but then they're like, well, what do I do? I know how to do it, but they don't, they don't have that mindset training, right? They might start something, they fail. They're trying to find out, um, you know, where, where to find that extra step. And I've been, I've been realizing that for, for me, the biggest, the biggest catalyst to my success for right now has been my mindset, right? Once I adapted that I'm able to, you know, have all my outcomes are based on my thoughts. Once I realized that my whole life changed. And I, one thing that I absolutely loved was it takes it by Napoleon Hill is it takes the same amount of energy to have a negative thought as it does a positive thought. And it's simply your choice. And uh, also Henry Ford, creator of Ford, obviously your vehicle's Ford, he said the only difference between him and his employees, the reason why he has an abundance of wealth and a lot of them work hard hours and barely make anything, and a lot of them are depressed and sick and tired, is that he knows and knows how to control his own thoughts in his mind. That's the, that's the only difference between him and his employees because Henry Ford was not a smart guy, not at all. He just knew that he was able to control his thoughts and his mind and stay persistent action with that. So Miguel, I got one more question here for you and then we're going to sign off. I want to know what is the biggest piece of advice you would give a young entrepreneur out there right now that is just getting started? Man, there's so many things kind of, popping into my mind I think we've been talking about one pretty much the whole time is invest in yourself that one it kind of goes without saying or maybe we said it 10 times 10 times yeah. already yes um you know one piece of advice that I think has served me well it's also cost me but it served me well 
um, and I probably wouldn't be here today if it wasn't if it wasn't for this is that I subscribe to the philosophy that I would rather share a watermelon than hoard a grape. And so, mm, yep. you know, this whole thing, like even talking about Henry Ford versus employees and all that kind of stuff, it's not about versus. It's about if you can create a vision that other people can come along with, that they can benefit from and share in that watermelon, you will build something much bigger than if you're trying to be the one that hoards and controls everything. And, uh, and that is a super powerful concept. You know, when it comes to, I need to raise half a million dollars when it comes, you're going to have to give up equity when it comes to, I want to build a team of absolute rock stars. Well, they're not going to come for free, you know? And so you have to be able to do that. And now it's a double-edged sword because, you know, giving too much too early is also a problem too. So you have to, you know, it's a, it's a dance that I'm learning right now and it's cost, it's cost me a lot of money actually. Um, but at the same time, I wouldn't have that money to give if, if that wasn't my sort of overarching philosophy. So I would say that you should be looking for ways to have a team around you that they fit within that vision that you've got for where this company can go and you can help them accomplish their dreams too. Um, it can't just be I about you. That. If it's just about you, it, it, uh, it's, it, it probably won't work. I mean, there's a lot of, you hear it all the time. There's, there's companies all the time that it was just one guy and, uh, and nobody else ever had any skin in the game or profit sharing or, you know, he was a, a miser and he ended up building a big business, but that's not my experience. And I think it's a lot harder to do it that way. And I think that, you know, as a leader, if you can build a vision that other people fit into and that they can actually move the needle in their life, then that's, that's how you get ahead. I love that. And, you know, it, it goes into another thing in Think and Grow Rich, another chapter is building a mastermind, right? Having multiple people putting forces towards, you know, a certain object is going to create a lot more than one single man. And you're completely right. I'm the same way. I use that analogy actually quite often. I'd rather own a quarter of a watermelon than a full grape. Very similar. And the same thing like my, the apartment buildings on my stuff, just like you said with raising money, right? I would much rather own a small percentage of millions of apartment buildings than a, a full house, right? Yeah. And I really like what you said about the teamwork. Always about the teamwork, building with other people and being okay with giving up shares and building something together instead of being, hey, I'm a one-man show. You know, there's those odd people, very odd. I feel like it's very, very odd for the people that have done it on themselves, right? Even when you think about, um, um, you know, I imagine even Elon Musk, I imagine he's had some silent partners somewhere that have been helping him. You know, there's got to be, you know, guaranteed. It's always like that. Absolutely. Look at all his businesses, you know, especially at the beginning, early on. I mean, at some point, you know, you get enough wealth and power that he didn't need to necessarily have a bunch of partners, but look at his first ventures. You know, right. he sold companies for, I think his first one, I can't remember what it was, but it was like, it sold for like a hundred million and he got a fraction of that. Right. Yeah, um, it was PayPal, why actually. is that? PayPal. No, no, it was, a, it was another one. It was like, it was like an online yellow pages was the first business what? that he Before started. PayPal. Yeah. Before PayPal, so, wow. he started the company that was like an online yellow pages and he sold that. And I think he walked away with like 12 million out of like a hundred million dollar sale or wow. $50 million sale. And then he, he started PayPal cause he was like, what else is going to move online? And he went to banking and that kind of stuff. So yeah, no, it's uh nobody does it 
themselves. There's not, there's no such thing. There's always, you know, Elon Musk is always going to be the face of this company, right? But he's got thousands of people. Right. His team didn't work because of Elon Musk. It works because of him and his vision that's guiding it. But ultimately, you know, there's companies and there, there's people who are the face of that company, but a company is a lot of great people pulling in the same direction. And, um, and there's actually one thing that popped into my head, Tyler, that I'd be remiss, honestly, if I didn't say it, because I think it's, I just felt really strongly when I, yes. when it popped into my head that it's, that it's advice is that I have been giving a portion of everything that I make to people who need it more than I do since before I had a lot of money. And the concept of tithing, you know, from a, from a spiritual perspective, it's in the Bible. And frankly, I'm positive and completely convinced that if I wasn't, it's a lot of the universe like gravity. It doesn't matter where, like if you're looking at the Bible, if you're looking at, you know, Tony Robbins or a million different writings, they all say the same thing. You have to be in a place of abundance. You have to give back. And just like if you jump off a building, you're going to go down. If you give and are generous, it comes back to you. And, uh, wow. and that is, I, I'm, I, like I said, sometimes people hear that and they think like, Oh yeah, well that's easy to say. Cause once you make money, then you just start saying those kinds of things to make yourself look cool or spiritual or, or generous or whatever it is. Right. It's not, it's not about that. It starts before you need to be giving when you don't have, when you, if, if you, if you um, don't have something, you need to give it away to get it right. If you, if you don't have, if you need value in your life, like money, then you need to go and give value somewhere. If you're feeling down and, depressed if you go help somebody else be happy it makes you happier right and it's like it's counterintuitive and it's it's almost uh it seems like the opposite hey if you want to be successful you need to give money away but it's actually a law of nature like gravity and uh it's it's not a super popular belief maybe it is i'm not sure but it what i know for sure is that it it's true so yeah, I really, really like that. I really, really like that, Miguel. And that goes to show your true character. You know what I mean? And that's, that's why I feel like um, knowing you personally, and seeing the businesses you do, that's why I feel like you will always continue to be successful because you consistently have more people, people willing to help you out and wanting to help you out as much as possible too. And when you talk about, you know, how much um, of a team you build, your employees, I personally know people that work for you. And like, they aren't like, hey, I work at True Green. They're like, I work with True Green. They're like, they're yeah. part of something. And you can see that and hear that with them, which in results, you guys are all building something. They're not just showing up nine to five. They're like, oh, I hate my boss, Miguel. I can't wait to get out of here at five o'clock, right? They're all looking to build something. And that's, uh, that's truly something that as, uh, as I get into my businesses and start building and getting employees, that's something I for sure look to model. So that's awesome to look at, Miguel. So that's, that's really good advice, Miguel. And this podcast has been absolutely amazing. You have, you know, you've really installed into my brain that, you know, mindset, personal development is a huge, huge important thing. And anybody watching this that's feeling down or needs something in their life, go pick up a book, pick up an audio book. As we discussed, you do have time. And uh, Miguel, what would you say? Last thing, what would you, what book would you recommend somebody right now that's like feeling like a little bit down and they need a good pick me up? What would you recommend? Magic of Thinking Big. Magic of Thinking Big. That was one of the first ones you read. You said right. It's it was it was number one, and uh, you know it's got a special place for me because it's like I feel like that was the book that sort of deflected the trajectory of my life towards where I am right now and where I'm going, and so. Um, 
I highly recommend it. Awesome. You guys heard it. The magic of thinking big. Miguel, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You bet, man. It was a pleasure. Good chatting with you. Yeah, you as well.